Welcome to Broadband Conversations. This is the podcast where I get to talk to leading women from across the technology, innovation, and media industries. And you get to hear what they're working on, what's on their minds, and what they think is the next big thing. My name is Jessica Rosenworcel, and I'm a member of the Federal Communications Commission. Now, as a major crisis is sweeping through our cities, towns, and communities as we all navigate this new world with the novel coronavirus. There is so much devastation that we are managing. We've got loved ones falling ill, schools are closing, millions of people are filing for unemployment because their jobs have been lost to the economic impact of this pandemic. And with that economic insecurity comes food insecurity too. You've probably seen some of the pictures because food banks are seeing record-breaking lines, cars waiting for hours to pick up some groceries to feed their families. I know that I saw some pictures a while back from the San Antonio Food Bank, and they are now feeding 120,000 people each week, which is twice as many as the food bank did before the pandemic. And in Pittsburgh, where my guest is from, hundreds of families are showing up for weekly pickups at an arena that's usually used for the Pittsburgh Penguins. But the neat thing about my guest today is she is doing something to help. Leah Lizarondo is the CEO and co-founder of 412 Food Rescue. And that's a food recovery organization that uses technology to link retailers who have excess food with volunteers who are able to distribute it to families and individuals experiencing food insecurity. Now, Leah was born and raised in the Philippines, and she started 412 Food Rescue five years ago and has already helped redirect over 9 million meals from over 2,000 food retailers to over 900 non-governmental organizations. And she operates nearly 10 cities, in 10 cities now, and she counts over 10,000 volunteers. So she's rightfully been recognized for this amazing work. And she's received too many awards to mention, but I'm going to note a few that are my favorites. She's been named Pittsburgher of the Year. She's been honored by Vital Voices. And 412 Food Rescue was recognized as Pittsburgh Tech's Startup of the Year in 2018. And she also, in the following year, received the Carnegie Science Award for Information Technology. And she was the first social enterprise to receive both of those awards, which is very cool. So with all of that, I just want to thank you for everything you're doing, and thank you for joining us today. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. This is, I've been, you know, listening to this podcast since it's launched almost two years ago, and I always recommend it to any woman, any woman I know who is in technology. Oh, good. Lovely way to start. So how are you doing during this crisis, life in Pittsburgh? operating it's, 412 Food Rescue. Tell me, how's it going? It's been, you know, I mean, I think we use the word unprecedented a lot in the last two months, and, and that's what it has been. It's been unprecedented. Um, there's, I don't even know where to start. You talked about seeing the lines in San Antonio, how we're doing legal distributions at what used to be a sports arena. You know, it's with, you know, unemployment rates at almost, 20%, you know, it's the need has escalated so much and so quickly that really it's all hands on deck. So tell me a little bit how you got your start and to where you are right now. So let's roll back from these unprecedented days and talk about how you got to where you are right now. 
Yeah, so um, in nor you know pre-COVID times, in back in 2015, um, for Wanted Food Rescue was founded. It was really the the germ of the idea started around 2012, when the National Resources Defense Council came out with a report called Wasted, and it was in that report where I first read that we are wasting about 40% of our food, half our food supply, and. For me, coming from the Philippines, that was mind-boggling excess. 40%. Yes, 40% in developing countries. And it's, you know, and I know from living here, you know, for over a decade that, you know, there's so many Americans in need that poverty and food insecurity is not something that's unique to developing countries where I'm from. It happens here. It happens here a mile from where I live. And... To see that almost half the food supply was feeding landfills, it's 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 almost a moral. It's definitely a moral problem. There 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 has to be something done with it. And it took about three years until you know the solution you know presented itself, and and that's when Four One Two Food Rescue was founded. So you say the solution presented itself. That's sort of like the entrepreneurial light bulb at night. Tell tell me how how that came to be. In other words, how did it present itself? What what occurred to you that made it happen? Yeah, so the you know after that article, I began studying. You know, I worked in technology, but also really my passion is food. You know, when I was living in New York City, I went to cooking school just for fun, um, and tried to study the problem in 2012. Tried to understand why we're wasting almost half our food supply, where that food waste was coming from. You know, why with this 50-year-old food banking system, we're still not capturing it? And it really, you know, became clear that it's a logistics problem. You know, it's, um, it, which is, you know, one of my favorite subjects when I was at Carnegie Mellon was, you know, operations research. It's all about efficiency. And, and this logistics problem has been true for a long time for many industries. And around that time, you know, shared transportation was coming to fore. All of these companies um, that are doing delivery or doing, at that time, only, you know, um, taxi service without owning a single cab. And it was all mobilized by technology. And it's possible because of technology. And so at that point, I was like, well, why can't we create a transportation network that is mobilized in the same way? But really tapping at this American, you know, desire to volunteer and to do something, and basically that's what it is. It's it's a it's a mobile app that coordinates thousands of drivers. We're at about twelve thousand now, um, and it alerts them of passengers or food that's available for them to pick up. So if you're so so if you're someone right now, and I'm wondering, you know. We're familiar with all these platforms that we use that increase efficiency and give uh, have this exchange of services. So here you are applying it to the social services sector and food banks. But I'm wondering, like, if you are someone who wants to volunteer, what does a typical rescue look like? How does it work? I know that you call your volunteers food rescue heroes, which is so true, especially now. But how would it look like to them? How would the rescues work? Yeah, so you would download the app. Um, the closest to where you are, Commissioner, it would be in Manassas. 
So in Manassas uh, area, there's Prince William Food Rescue, which is one of the organizations we work at. So you will download that app and then it will start sending you push notifications of food rescues that are available near you. And so, you know, one day you might, you won't take all of them, but one day you might be driving from one meeting to the other, which is how I basically accept rescues. And I'll say, you know, I'll check the app. Then I'll see one that's on my way. And I'll just say, I'll take that. And it takes me about from door to door on average, about half an hour. And I have directed, redirected perfectly good food from going to a landfill to feeding someone in need that day. Wow. So let's talk for a moment about how this typical rescue process is working during the current pandemic. I mean, obviously we've talked a little bit about there being a greater need, but are there new tools or programs or new volunteers? What's it looking yes. like during this crisis? So one of the biggest um, surprises to us was when, you know, most cities and states basically went on lockdown and everyone, you know, had stay at home orders and, you know, physical distancing um, is being enforced. You know, we experienced the largest surge in volunteer downloads ever. And the reason for that is, you know, volunteering as a food rescue hero is a solitary endeavor. There's no congregation. It's just you in the car. It's you in the car and the food. And we have we instituted no contact protocols in our um, app. So, you know, our donors know to leave the donations outside with a pair of um, single-use gloves. And our volunteers know to leave when they get to the nonprofit or now we deliver to homes to leave it outside. So everyone is safe in the process and everyone is basically, you know, helping in this way now more than ever, because when we used to only serve NGOs, now we also serve households. So in Pittsburgh, for instance, we used to serve 600 NGOs, but there are 20,000 seniors in poverty. So the escalation of our service, again, I'm going to use the same word, has been unprecedented in these times. Yeah, that's a really amazing surge in volunteership too, right? People wanting to help. And um, what a neat thing. I'm wondering also what cities you're in. You mentioned outside of Washington, D.C., where I'm at. You, obviously, Pittsburgh, where you yes. started. I'm curious where else you're at. And do you have plans to expand to specific cities? Is that being changed by this crisis or is it being accelerated? Right, so we are currently in Philadelphia, Cleveland, um, Prince William County in Northern Virginia, which is about to expand, expand to multiple counties. Um, we are in San Francisco, Los Angeles, and soon and hopefully next week in Vancouver. And what has changed in this um, crisis is that we are actually accelerating um, our um, technology expansion and allowing nonprofits to have easier access to it so that they can um, so that they can do home deliveries if they want. Is there something specific about those cities you've chosen? Is there like a partner you look for or a restaurant culture where, or donations culture or volunteer culture or technology? What is it that makes a city a good candidate for an expansion of this process? Yes, um, there is, I think people ask me this all the time. Um, and I always say there's one thing that uh, makes me say yes to a city or a nonprofit. And I really look at the leader. I look at how passionate that leader is about you know, ending hunger um, and food insecurity. I look at how much um, this leader values the 
the values volunteering and understands our own inner desire to volunteer. And it is their job to make sure that, you know, it, that we have that opportunity, especially now. So you don't really look at whether or not they're technologically savvy. You bring the technology. You just look for the commitment to do good and, you know, to improve food security in a community. Yes. So our technology is, is extremely easy. No one really taught us how to use all of these video conferencing apps. We just used it. Same with our technology. And one of the things that I always tell our product managers, you know, if we need a manual, then it's not designed well. Oh, that's, that's such a good commentary about so many user interfaces right now. Right. But also, if you want people to volunteer, you want to make it easy to use. Like your, your, your instinct in that is just right. Um, all right, so you've been this incredible social entrepreneur. You've been honored for your entrepreneurship. You've managed a technology and logistics agenda here. That's amazing. So if there's someone out there listening who's dreaming up the next big idea for a business or even a social good startup like your own, what do you think is important for them to do? How do you get started? What, what advice would you have for them given your incredible record of growth and how you just made this happen. Yeah, so <laughs> what is the biggest advice? Well, I think that, you know, one of the most important pieces of advice I received um, when, when we were starting out was um, really from um, consistently with all of the social entrepreneurs or entrepreneurs that I spoke with, that you know what you see in public is one percent the 99 percent that happens in the background is usually full of pain and sweat <laughs> and tears and right sweat and tears so so don't be you know it's not rose-colored glasses you get in there and you expect to slowly develop a thick skin which you know you might not think is needed in social entrepreneurship or the nonprofit world or public service, you know, because the, the intentions are, you know, are, are, are very much, you know, you can't, you, it's not for profit. So I think that that piece of advice, me going in with that piece of advice gave me the reserves that I need to keep on going. Oh, I like it. I like your candor too about uh, the 1% looks easy. It's the 99% behind the scenes. Um, so a lot of what we talk about here is all about the internet. So when I sign off, I like to ask a guest a few questions before they go. And so now I'm asking you to go into your way back machine. And by that, I mean, well, before you became a hero in food rescue, what was the first thing you did on the internet? <laughs> I don't remember the actual first thing, but I think I, I but I definitely remember the first thing that made me say wow. Um and I remember playing backgammon for some reason. In while I was in the Philippines with someone from Denmark. Wow. I was just blown away. I was saying that there's someone on the other side of the world was playing this backgammon game with me that I only play, you know, in the physical world with my friends. And that really, you know, imprinted upon me the potential of this thing we're calling the internet. And, and that was, that's the one thing I always remember. I don't know why. 
Oh, well, it's fantastic. I mean, it feels so small and yet so grand at the same time that you'd be playing a game with someone a world away. Yeah. So what was the last thing, the totally mundane last thing you did online before uh, joining me here today? <laughs> Aside from email. Um, well, uh, last week, um, 412 Food Rescue won Fast Company's World Changing Ideas Award. Woohoo! So awesome. That, that's just something that, you know, we've, we are feel we feel extremely honored to receive um, in the apps category among all of the other um, among three thousand I think um, uh, candidates. So I was responding to an email about that from an individual in another city that wants to replicate the model. Ah, oh, that's good stuff. All right, because you really built an incredible model for tech for good and social entrepreneurship using technology. I think I'd love to hear your answer to this question. What do you want the future of the digital world and internet life to look like? Oh, oh I mean, that's, again, fairly easy. Um, and again- I love that you I, say it's fairly easy. To me, that's like almost metaphysical, but you say fairly easy. This well, is the get it done attitude you need, I think. <laughs> well, well, what I want, is I can fairly easily identify, but I don't know, it's, it's definitely not easy to do. Right. I, and it's really one of the reasons why I've followed your work for a long time. And, you know, I think, I know we definitely need equity and access. And this crisis has brought that inequity to, you know, the fore. Um, my kids go to public school and they are extremely lucky, you know, and, and blessed to have everything in their home, access to high-speed internet, laptops, but our public school system wasn't able to do online learning for almost six weeks because not all children had access to the internet. Not all children had laptop computers. So this was, and my kids will be fine, you know, missing six weeks of school for them is not going to affect them in the long term. But for some children, that is, that's a big difference. And, you know, there was no, aside from food insecurity, there was no other pain in this crisis that, you know, I felt really, um, that was as, as, as visceral as the, the inequity in, in internet and technology access. Oh my gosh, so we're gonna take all your energy devoted to the logistics of improving food security, and I wanna now convert them to broadband access for all. I think um, there's more in common with them, and this crisis is revealing it too, um, sure. that we've got work to do on both accounts. But I, uh, I am thrilled that you've been able to chat a little bit about your good work with me. And before we go, I want you to tell me where folks can follow you and keep up to date with what you're doing, the cities you're expanding to, and how you're navigating in this crisis. Yes. So 412foodrescue.org is our website. And on all social media, we're just slash 412foodrescue. All right. Thank you so much. That wraps up an episode of Broadband Conversations. Really appreciate Leah being here. And thank you for the work you do. Thanks to everyone for listening. Thank Take you for care. having me.